the center of what's on my mind is also life and the circumstances we're facing as we move through life. And I see this, I see this pattern in Daniel that's just being unfolded so beautifully that I thought I'd, I'd simply share some things that I've been learning and we've been learning together in that. And with that, I, I want to also mention two other groups of folks that are heavily on my heart and, and have helped me so much. And again, I want to go back, and I'm, I'm looking at Jane here this morning, and just uh, in, in, I think of Shirley, and I think of somebody that have been leading women's ministries, Beth, uh, Beth Moorhead, and, and then Beth Moore, who I don't know, but I, I'm getting to know via DVD. And, and, the, and what that's meant to me, by the way, just a footnote, there's two key women in my life that I know were prayer warriors for me when I came to know the Lord, and that would be my wife, Deb, and my sister, Sue. Uh, they... Uh, they were the ones, you know, that really got after it. And, uh, and then I think, of, I think of the elders and my friends that I depend on in prayer. We depend on one another as we move through life here. And I also think of, I, I think of in particular, uh, as I was praying, and I prayed each name audibly yesterday as I, was, as I was working through this, former elder chairman and the experiences each one has um, during their time and their season. And I, I think of Lee and, and Dick and, and Jim and Jim and Greg and Lynn and the guys that have gone before um, and what they've experienced and what, how God's delivered and moved all of us through these circumstances. And then lastly, my closest friends and, and those that have been praying and, and working even just this weekend. Uh, and then those have been stirring me, Rick and Ron. Hey, hold your names up in prayer. And with that, I'm going to pray and we'll get started here. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for why is that free? What it's meant to me, my family, and what it means to all of us to be gathered here to worship you. Uh, Lord Jesus, as I stand here, simply may these words uh, help build up and, and may something I have to offer here, Lord, be st- just straight from you, set me aside and offer these folks uh, the teaching from your word in a way that that just really helps them understand and see you better. And with that, Lord, I simply hold it up in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, quite a week for me and, and, for, and for many, I'm sure for many of you. Work, family, why is that a free? Work with, the, work with ministries, challenges, all those things. You know, homework battles at home through the week. Uh, work battles uh, throughout the week. I'm in the business of um, I'm in the business of uh, business software, and we implement systems all over the the world. And and uh, uh, there was a Time Warner big thing of Time Warner systems down, and everybody's up in arms. And I'm I'm working with folks to to get that moving. Uh, works in, goes into the weekend. Uh, Daryl and I spent some time on the phone working on some things, uh, you know, with the church, caring for folks, and 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 listening and trying to offer wise counsel as we're we're moving through our week. And then uh, even yesterday, you know, talking with Sam and, and the unfolding of the day, and you just go, some, you know, sometimes it, it gets hot. Even when it's 10 below or 18 below, it gets hot. And, and I, I just kept being pulled back to this, this little book of Daniel and, and what was in there for us. And I know that I'm not alone in that, that times it gets hot in life. I was, I was with... Um, the Truce family uh, this week at hospice. I mentioned Mac. I, I looked into his eyes as he was, he is 
not with us consciously, but indeed, you know, look, looking at that last battle, that last fire he's facing um, as, as we were together. And looked at, at Sonia and spent time with, with Sonia and, and uh, John and Joni and uh, family pulling together for this, that, that battle. Heck of a week. We all have those. Yet we also know, and so many of us that have gathered here for so long, we know that we rely on our Lord to guide us through these times. And he's got just the perfect words and the perfect things for us at times. He's just so amazing. He is building, like we sang, and thank you, Dick, like we sang, he is building something beautiful through you. So with that, let's kind of jump in a little bit and, and just take a look at um, Daniel. In the, in the Pew Bible, I think it's about 873 if you guys want to, want to catch up and, and take a look. I'm just going to grab a, a few things from there and also just get us a little, maybe make a little historical setup for us. Um, we know the nation Israel uh, <clears throat> was really founded under Abraham. A brief history, founded under Abraham, then Moses, of course, Joshua, then David and Solomon. And David and Solomon... You know, during that period, uh, Israel was at its greatest, most unified, largest borders. It was, an, it was just an absolutely amazing time. And they were very strong. And then civil war breaks out. The divided kingdom hits. We've got Israel and, and Judah. And there's a little shrinking of the borders as, as there's oppression and it's moving in, uh, moving in and encroaching upon Israel. And then as we get to the book of Daniel... He's actually the, the last book of the major prophets, majors and minors, the minor, the 12 follow the difference. For those of you that, that uh, know this, the, the minors, there's nothing minor about them other than the books are smaller. It's all a good read. But Daniel is absolutely, positively one of the most readable and most amazing books you ever want to open. If you haven't, I encourage you. It, it is absolutely one of the most ma- magnificent stories it is, he's a man that I, re, I reflect on and I think about often, about his tact and his words and his wisdom and his pace and his insight and his incredible faith. And the book is really all about Most High God, Sovereign God. That's this message for this book of Daniel. But this first part is really kind of a setup and it really kind of gets things moving. And this guy, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians, is sweeping in and basically conquers Israel. And they go into 70 years of exile. Uh, decimates Jerusalem, uh, grabs all the, all the goods, uh, basically takes over all the gold and all this. And this guy is a nut job. I mean, he is power. He is powerful. He is, well, he's also incredibly brilliant. He's a, he's a strategist. He's a builder. He's just incredible. But he also is one of these guys. He's not exactly subtle. He likes to say things like, throw them in the fire and cut them up into little pieces and all kinds of stuff like that. And he doesn't take, he really doesn't take a lot of lip from people. He kind of just gets after it. This guy is in charge. So with that, I'm just going to open things up here as the circumstances of life really are, are changing for Israel. And it really kind of goes into this circumstance that I think Daniel wouldn't have invited but he is a very young man. He's, he's probably a, a young teenager. He and his four buddies are together, and they're actually captured and brought uh, in, into the kingdom of, of Babylon. But they're brought in a, in a very special way, in a very special way. The king had ordered this guy, and I'm just going to skip through. I'm going to breeze through a little bit of chapter 1. The king had ordered Asphanaz, the chief of his court officials, 
at verse 3, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility, young men without showing physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every type of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He's, he was to reach them, in the, he was going to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. He was going to teach them a new culture. But he also handpicked them. He said, they know stuff. And, and you know what the stuff they knew? They knew the stuff of Israel. I mean, they knew, they knew the law, and, and they, they knew their stuff. But these were young guys. It was, it was just amazing. You see their names up there. They were trained for three years. They were, um, uh, they were prepared for service. And, and then, then we have their wonderful names. I just, I just love the names of these guys as they go in. There were some from Judah, so from the land of Judah. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And then the chief official, now as they come into the new culture, and it's like, you know, we're out with the old, in with the new, they give them the new name. Daniel gets the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, and Mishael Meshach, and Azariah Abednego. And so they get after it. Now they start their immersion. And by the way, it's not like they applied to this school, right? I mean, they didn't want this to happen. It happened. It was a life circumstance. This was a fire. It was hot. I mean, first off, they're probably glad to be alive. But then secondarily, now they're in this. Now they're going to go into this immersion school in Babylonia. And the first thing that happens is they have another, maybe less life-threatening example. But they're offered some food. They give them the royal food from the table. Daniel looks at the food. He, he remembers back. He knows that the teaching of, of, the, of the law and says, well, you know, I'm really, I really should really have vegetables and, and good food. And so he, he invites this first test. And... And basically, this first test is that he says, please test your servants in, in verse 12 for 10 days. And, and he said, test us for 10 days. He doesn't put his foot down, stamp his feet. He very wisely invites this test. Test us. And uh, those that know the story, they're tested. They look even better having this, uh, eating the right kind of food. And basically, they change the game. Everybody gets the good food, and, uh, and, and it's God-honoring food through that time. And these four men, in verse 17, these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. God gave it to them. God gave it to them. They were, they were in Babylonia learning, but he gave it to them. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And that really came in handy, actually, as, as life moved on here. It came in handy to the point of, really, as the story continues to kind of open up for us here. Let me take a look here and make sure I can catch up. So Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar, he, uh, he starts, on the, king, the kingdom's getting settled. He, he has a, a bit of time here, I think a couple of years go by. These guys are given roles to actually govern, basically Daniel, and, and then he asks that his, uh, his friends, uh, Meshach, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at this point, are given jobs. And so they got jobs, and they're all working together here. So then, basically, this guy Nebuchadnezzar is dreaming. And it's a darn good thing that God gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams, but he starts dreaming. He's, not only is he dreaming, but he also knows about politics. And he also doesn't trust his own advisors through this. And he goes through this, he has this secret dream, and he wants it interpreted, and he goes to the astrologers and all this stuff, he says, I want you guys to interpret this dream. And they go, great, tell us about it, and we'll interpret it. He goes, uh-uh, no way. I'm not telling you a dream, that's too easy. If you're really, really, you know, no stuff, if you really got the goods, you just tell me what the dream was. 
And so he goes, they go back and forth, and they're negotiating. And he says, enough's enough, Mr. Patience. Enough's enough. Got them all up. All of them. I don't want all these advisors. I don't I want them out of here. I'm done. Cut them up. Including, by the way, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's, they're, they're part of his court. He lost it. It's really heating up now. I mean, these guys are going to be killed. Daniel picks up on this, and we see what he does in this in verse 17 of chapter 2. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise man of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. And Daniel praised the God of heaven. I know it sounds like just some crazy Bible story or, or crazy story, but I, I, I'm telling you, I'm one of these guys. I know it. It's true. It happened. I believe that this actually was unfolding and happening. And these three guys, by the way, Daniel's, Daniel's got the gift of, of understanding the, the dream. But now they're threatened. Their very lives are threatened. And this is a big fire in life. You're dead. And he, starts, he goes to work on this, but what does he do? And, and this is where, I don't want us to catch this, when we're faced with the fires of life, these circumstances of life. The first thing he does is he goes to his friends, his trusted friends, and he tells his story. I don't think you go to everybody, but you want to go to your friends, your trusted friends, and talk to them about your fires. And then he said, plead to God for mercy. Pray. Plead. Pray. And in this circumstance, to make a long story short, he interprets the dream. It ends up turning out good. Uh, the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, don't end up dying. Right? All they had, their only role in this, this amazing little story, though, is to plead, to listen and plead. These are the prayers. They had no specific role in this. Daniel did the work. You know, God, through Daniel, did the work. But they had to sit back and know their life, their very lives were threatened, and they got to be guessing and doubting and wondering what the heck is going on. But God, in this, in this particular case, delivered them from the fire. He delivered them from the circumstance. They didn't have to go through it. They prayed. They went through this. This is a type of circumstance we all face. I think of some of those as kind of the circumstances. Oh, it didn't happen. Um, boy, that was maybe, a, in the simplest terms, a close call, an auto accident or something. Whew, I was delivered from that set of circumstances that I saw before me. Or we pray in a circumstance and, you know, it's like, a, it's like before it even happens, there's a rescue. There's a rescue. Well, with that, that, that's really kind of the call here. It's really call on your friends, explain the matter. I think that's a to-do in this case. Pray and plead for mercy. And our faith will be given a boost. We go, oh, wow. I think those guys went, oh, that was good. You know, kind of that we're not dead in that case. But So here's, here's the, the story continues to go. And, and Nebuchadnezzar keeps, the, keeps working his whole, his whole kingdom. And basically things really start to heat up even more. Daniel's back in the royal court. The guys are actually through this process. They got promotions. They got such. A, they were so blessed. They got these these promotions. They take off. The guys are, are really by themselves, but they're not really by themselves. They're over provinces. And Nebuchadnezzar cooks up this deal where he builds 
this big old statue. And by the way, the statue, uh, I think in many ways, represents what he was dreaming about in that secret dream prior. But he builds this thing, and then he comes up with this tremendous idea that everybody needs to fall down and worship the statue. And so life unfolds here again. Let's see. Let me uh, take us right over to it's chapter 3, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar made the image of gold 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura, province of Babylon. He's out in the province building this thing. Uh, Daniel's back at the royal court. And he puts this thing together. And basically in verse 4 it says, The herald loudly proclaimed, This is what I've commanded to you, O people's nation, men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, probably includes the violins, all those things, that, and, tr- and trombone that we enjoyed here today, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar he set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. I mean, you know, when I came out here this morning, I was thinking I was going to try an object lesson when I started out. And I, I thought, let me look around and see how guys, uh, guys are dressed today. And there wasn't too many of you out there, but I was thinking of those of us with ties on this morning. I was going to say, let me, let me, let's do something. Let's just get rid of the ties this morning. You know, let's give everybody a permission to take them off. Now, those that, you know, have been shamed into it by your wives or whatever, they'd love it. You know, you jerk that thing off of there. But some, it's like it's a culture and it's important to us and, and we like it. And, you know, that's kind of pulled away. But, but in this case, you know, in this example, they didn't have a choice. I mean, it, I, I'm not going to have you thrown into the oven or cut up in pieces for not taking your tie off. But the, the stakes are higher. The stakes are really high right here. And by the way, they're out, they're out on their own without Daniel, the guy who had the ability to interpret dreams and, and was really kind of the strongman leader. Other things unfold through this story, and there's some anti-Semitism that kicks in. They're, they're, they're speaking badly against these Jewish leaders now that are actually governing. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, these uh, astrologers, these guys, are, these guys are really in the mix with them. And they actually went to Nebuchadnezzar at one point and said, you know, these guys that you put in charge, now I don't think they did it that forcefully, but these guys that you put in charge, these Jews that you put in charge, you know, they, they're, not, they're not doing what you said to do. They're not falling down and worshiping. And it is hot right now because he's already said he's going to throw them into the furnace. Furious with rage, chapter th- uh, verse 13, chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said, uh, said to them, Is it true, you know, is it true you know, that you're not getting after it here? You're not going to uh, uh, serve my gods, worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you're ready, are you ready to fall down and worship the image I've made? Ah, very good. It's amazing. I, there's a friendship emerging here. I, we don't have time to go into this today, but if, when you read this book, look how the friendships are emerging. He gives them an, like another chance. One who doesn't give anybody another chance gives them another chance. I think this is that blessing of God. He sees something so special in these guys. But he says, if you don't worship it, you're going to be thrown immediately in the blazing furnace. And what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? From my hand. What God is going to rescue you from my hand? I mean, you're done. You are so done. And this circumstance is a mess. This is, as, this is like as bad as it gets. And they're in it. So he, he basically, these guys sit back. Now they're alone, the three of them. But I think they, they've learned and, and their faith has grown so much that they sit here and they, they speak to Nebuchadnezzar. And, and I don't think they were raising their voices. I think they said, oh, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand. O king, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Our faith is enough. I added that part. Our faith is enough. It's an amazing thing. On that, this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, I think he got that hardened heart. Wham! His attitude changes towards these guys. And he said, enough. And shriekingly has them bound up. They heat up the the furnace seven times hotter. They walk them up there. And now here's these faithful guys who said, well, my God is able... Right? He's, able, he's able to keep me from falling off the edge. My God is able. My God is able, tied up. My God is able, and they're on the edge. And what's, what's happening is the soldiers are being killed by the heat of the fire. They're watching this unfold, and they go right in. They throw them in. My God was able? I don't know. They're, they're in. Now they're in the fire. Ah, uh, but something miraculous happens here. Uh, they notice that there's four people in the fire and they're walking around. And Nebuchadnezzar sees this. Four people in the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar says, and one of them looks like the son of the gods. One of them looks pretty special in there. And he's watching this. And he's got to be from a distance. They're in the mass. They're in it. There was no, there was no from. They're in it. And it's a mess. And But there's one person in there with them, and that's Jesus. And it is. Further study will show that that's Jesus, and he's there right there with them. Nebuchadnezzar, it's just it's such a cool passage. All right, here it goes. He approached the opening, the blazing furnace. He shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. And Nebuchadnezzar goes into this great thing. Praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel, rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their very lives except for their own God. So he flips the law. It's so cool. He flips the law. He says, anybody's messing with these guys, God, into the, you know, cut you up in pieces, you're done. He's flipped the law like that. These guys were delivered through the fire. Through the fire. And I think that's the big one for us. Because we go through the fires. And I know you guys know what I'm talking about. We go through the fire. But here's one thing I just want to give you. And Beth Moore gave this to me because I needed to hear it. Verse 27, tail end. Little detail. I've seen this before. Never really, never really kind of put it together other than I thought it was kind of just this miracle. It's the, the last little phrase after the comma at the end of verse 27. And there was no smell of fire on them. What's up with that? I mean, it's one thing, their, their, their wrists that were bound were free. Their, their clothes were, were good. But there was no smell of fire. No stink on them. No stink on them. No stink of their circumstances. No bitterness. No anger. No harbored frustration. 
They were free. They had that peace of God that transcends all understanding. They didn't keep going back, yeah, but, yeah, but, it was hot. Yeah, but, we, we didn't, yeah, but, they were free. No stink of the circumstances left on, and that's the one. That's the one, persevering. We've got to check ourselves in these things when we go through this. We're standing with God and we're praying and we're delivered through these circumstances. We've got to check ourselves. Please check ourselves. I have to check myself. In those toughest circumstances, is there any stink left on me? He's trying to build something beautiful in us, right, Dick? Beautiful through us. It doesn't include the stink. All right. The last one, the last test, very brief. This is the one. Okay, so we're delivered from circumstances. We're delivered through circumstances. And the last one, we're delivered by our circumstances. And this is the, this is the hardest one, but maybe it's the easiest one. I don't know. We don't get to go through this one first. The circumstances were delivered from those that were delivered through. And our faith is, by the way, the ones we're delivered through, our faith is so refined. It is proved so genuine through those times of testing that there's nothing that will replace it. Nothing that will replace those circumstances. But then this last one, and I think this is where our friend Mac may be at this point. I don't know, he could still, we know what the Lord's miracle is. But it's this last one, and that's our last battle. It's that battle and it's that last fire when, right, right before we die. But then our faith is made perfect. We are delivered in that last battle. We are delivered to the king. That's, that's my prayer today for Mac, that he be delivered. And he stand in Jesus' arms. He'd be held in Jesus' arms. And if you know what I mean, talk to somebody about it this week. You know what that, that promise means. You know what, that, what excitement is in that. Share that with someone this week. And that, as I, was, as I was thinking this week, it's really about finishing well in all these circumstances. If I've been delivered from something, thankful, my faith has given a boost, May I finish that circumstance well? If I'm really in the fire and going through it, and I'm delivered through it, glory to God, persevere, and finish that circumstance well. And then lastly, may we all finish well at that last test as we stand before the King, as we go in to stand before Him and really finish well. And that passage that grips that so perfectly is Hebrews and, of course, James there. You know, I want to kind of wrap us up with that one. Here. Our faith will be perfected. From Hebrews 12:2. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. It's about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then James 1.12, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, and ultimately he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So basically these three life tests, I've worked them with us a few different times. I want us to think about those times that we're delivered from the fire and the boost that gives our faith, delivered through the fire, 
and how that makes our faith genuine. That final one, that final one, that we be delivered by that fire. But then in between, as we're going through any of all those things, I ask you, church, and I beg you, let's do what Daniel did. Share our lives with one another and pray for mercy. Pray to the God of heaven together. That's what this body is. I know so many of you do that. Let's do it more. Let's keep doing that more. And with that, that we can finish well. Hopefully Daniel's helped us see a little bit of how to finish well. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this time, Father. May these words simply settle into each of us in a way that honors you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.